This is Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception. Our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of new companies, new ideas. And today I'm here with Erica Moses, who's the co-founder and I guess COO, right? I am, yes. Of Hire, uh, one of the investments we did uh, pretty early in the Social Starts Fund. So thanks for getting together. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. So why don't we start with all the basics? So what's Hire and uh, why is it the thing you thought would be great to dedicate your time and talents and all to? It's a great question. So at Hire, we help uh, merchants fill any shift at any time. And we started the company around a idea that traditional businesses, whether that be a restaurant or a retail company, were really struggling to find labor. And that there is a better way to actually be able to fill those holes in your schedule or be able to access seasonal talent. On the flip side, there's all these gig economy workers that at the time were only able to actually use the gig economy if they had an expensive asset. So think about somebody owning an apartment and doing an Airbnb, or you have to own a car in order to be part of ride sharing. And so we wanted to be able to unlock that asset of somebody's skill. So we came together and actually put those two ideas together, which was how can these traditional retail merchants or hospitality businesses um, actually be able to access that gig economy labor in a really efficient way. So we just have a fully mobile platform which connects the two parties. So I'm Joe Jr. in college or something, and I'd love to get a little bit more work. So what does this look like to me and how do I find it and how do I interact with it and then flip it around and I'm you know, the 23rd Street Hotel, and uh, I need some more folks. So how does it look to them and how does it work? Again, it's it's a really hyper-efficient platform. So much like how you're able to uh, get a car from a ride-sharing service, same sort of idea that Hire has, which is a mobile marketplace, which connects the two parties. I think more importantly, going back to your kind of notion of that student, I was that student when I was in college. I graduated, I got my first job in politics. I was making $20,000 a year as a political assistant, but I had a skill of being a bartender when I was in college. And it would have been awesome for me to just pick up two shifts a month just to pay my extra bills, uh, be able to pay down my student debt. And so that's the worker that we go after. It's somebody who has a really great skill, just wants to work a couple extra shifts, make a little bit of extra money. On the flip side, just in terms of the the businesses that we go after, we started with the thesis that that small SMB would be the place that we would start. So again, the 23rd Street you know, hotel that you talked about. Um, now three years in, we're actually working with a lot of larger corporations and enterprise users. So when you think about my background coming from McDonald's, that's a perfect company to actually be using us because people that are working at McDonald's, they already have been trained within those standards and they're a franchise network. And so they are able to actually post a shift, see other people that have McDonald's experience and then bring that person in to, to fill that shift. So so you're in this with, with your life partner. How's that going for you? A lot of people ask us this question. For Josh and I, it works incredibly well. And I think, you know, we didn't start the company 
because it was convenient that him and I are partners. We started the company because, frankly, we are the two best people to start this business. His background is in human resources. He was a VP of HR at uh, Marriott Starwood. He had started a company before as well. When the two of us started talking about the idea, we realized that both of our skills were best suited to start this business. Outside of that, working with my best friend and my partner is amazing. I could trust him inherently. Any ideas that I have, good, bad, ugly, whatever it might be, you know, I, I know that he's going to tell me the truth about it. Plus, I get to spend an enormous, enormous amount of time with somebody that I really like. So I think having founding partners that are married really make a very strong team because, you know, they're both actually also very committed to that idea. You know, it can, but there's kind of a watchword, if you want to call it, in venture that family members and startups can be a challenge because if there are any weaknesses, the pressure of startups gonna find them. So I always say in relationships, somebody needs to be the balloon, somebody needs to be the basket. If both of you are in a startup, you're sort of both being balloons, so where's the stability come from? How does one of you relieve the other or uh, are you both just kind of such intensity and stress junkies that it's not, you know, all that big an issue for you. I've never been asked a question in the way that you just asked it. I think it's a really important one for couples to realize if they're going into a, an enterprise like this. I think to make the pressure even worse for Josh and I, when we first started the business, we actually sold our home, put the money into the business, and that's how we initially seeded the initial idea for hire. I think that that also made us so incredibly dedicated towards this idea of what we were building together. But there are times that, believe me, when both of us are wondering what the hell we've done, <laughs> like what, you know, particularly when you have those ups and your downs, I think we're also very good at being able to, when I'm up and he's down, be able to pick each other up. So that's an important part of what our relationship just is all about. So kind of back over to the business, I'm curious, you had experience as a bartender when you were in college. I did not, but if I showed up, and said, I want some shifts as a bartender. How do you know I'm any good at it? How does the Marriott know I'm any uh, good at it? How do I, as the worker, know that I'm gonna like the Marriott and all those kinds of fit and finish and cultural appropriateness uh, kinds of things? Yeah, so I, I think the, the first piece that's really important to know is that within the platform that businesses actually choose from the workers that apply to their shifts. So they're not just sent anybody, they're actually able to look at somebody's profile, which includes work history, uh, ratings, whether or not somebody has certification, social media accounts, photos. From a business perspective, we don't get that question a lot about what if somebody can't do the job, because frankly, they need somebody. And they're also looking at kind of secondary roles a lot more. So a bartender would be a little bit of a secondary role barback, busser, host. For the workers, there's a rating system and for the businesses there is too. So let's say I got my first shift. I'm a bartender. I walk into the bar and I can't pour a rum and coke. I'm going to get rated really poorly and I'm not going to get another shift on the platform. So as a, as a worker, I know that. So I want to do the best job that I possibly can. And on the flip side, the business knows that if somebody's actually not able to perform the duties, that there's no responsibility for them to have to finish that shift, plus they could rate the worker. So it is that trust factor, right? 
I go back to, I remember when Uber first launched outside of their black car service. Josh actually told me, he's like, I'm never going to get into a stranger's car. We take air, like we take cars all the time. Same thing with Airbnbs. So you got to think the same trust factor is built into our marketplace. Got it. And so these workers, do they actually work for you and you contract them to the companies or? Yeah, we're a communications platform. So really at the end of the day, we're making that connection. The workers themselves are independent contractors. We are that B2B model, but on top of it, we also provide benefits for the independent contractors when they're working through our platform. So they earn points called U points every time they work a shift. And that's another kind of loyalty factor, as well as making sure that the worker wants to work through our platform, work really well. They get these points, they get to cash them in for a $75 benefit. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of those independent contractors when they're working through hire as well. What does this become long term when you guys sit around talking? planning. So we launched this idea three years ago, which was somebody was just going to fill any shift at any time, which is our tagline. But it was my dishwasher called out. I need somebody on Friday night. I get to bring that person in. More and more what we're seeing as we're getting into businesses, particularly kind of the bigger enterprise businesses, is that we're becoming almost like a scheduled labor need. So instead of hiring an extra part-time person, we're seeing businesses post that part-time person every single week through hire and bringing in a couple different people that they've worked with through the platform previously. We're also seeing a bigger need within direct-to-consumer brands that are opening up pop-ups. We're doing actually their entire end-to-end labor support. So we're able to find them these great workers. They can trade them up in advance. And then they're using hire to actually do all the taxes, payroll, and insurance for these workers over a short-term period. So instead of filling one shift, we're filling every single shift for a direct-to-consumer brand for a three-month pop-up. So this is where we actually see a bigger need that we're filling, which is we're helping businesses that don't know how to schedule, don't know how to find people, don't know how to recruit, don't know how to make people happy. You know, we're able to provide all that end-to-end labor support for businesses that frankly should be focused on their brand or their consumer or their customer, whether that be hospitality, retail, direct-to-consumer, even high-growth tech companies that need brand ambassadors. There are significant compliance and rules and all that here that in some ways are part of uh, the differentiation for you guys, right? Because you can't just walk in off the street and do this anywhere for anybody, as I understand it. We very early on, when we first built out the model, we made sure that we went to some really great labor lawyers, knowing my background and Josh's background, just making sure that we were very compliant on the way that the workers were coming on board, the way that they were choosing shifts, the way that businesses were also posting the shifts. There is a very fine line between what an independent contractor is and what a W-2 employee is. So we wanted to make sure that we checked all the boxes and we're very confident that we have a compliant model of this matter. We also want to be at the forefront of that conversation of how new laws and regulations are going to come about, right? We saw what happened in California. We're seeing kind of that same labor movement here in New York. And we've been working with industry associations and other like-minded companies to make sure that New York legislators understand that there's more to the gig economy than a rideshare platform or a delivery platform. And what you're talking about in California was recent legislation, very well intended, 
to make sure that folks who do a lot of work for one company functionally are employees, get recognized as employees, but in the way they wrote the legislation, they sort of soaked up freelance writers and opera singers and, and all kinds of folks who are legitimate contractors. I mean, listen, it's very important that we treat our the workers that are working through hire in certain ways. So, for example, um, no worker on the hire platform makes below minimum wage. You just can't post a shift for under a certain rate. We also want to make sure that benefits piece, right? To make sure that if you're an independent contractor, you are actually earning a benefit as you're working through hire. We would love to give, you know, more traditional type of benefits to our workers, but again, the concern of us giving certain things also has the concern of whether or not somebody is going to classify our workers as actually employees. Why can't there be a third category of work, right? If people want to work this way and businesses need to access talent in this way, instead of just saying there's two different categories, create a third one where we could give independent contractors a portable benefit to go across multiple things. So they an Uber driver, you know, an Airbnb host, a delivery driver, and then a hire worker. They could all have maybe some sort of different way of how we could think about taking care of them because it is important that, that workers are taken care of, obviously. So what's the biggest worry? You wake up two o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat, what caused it? My biggest worry would be right now, what happened in California kind of happening across the United States and there'd be a vilification of kind of this gig work across all industries. There is a huge gray area here, and I think that people are looking at either gig economy is inherently bad or inherently good, and nobody's looking at kind of that middle ground. And that's my biggest worry is that this movement from the left and unionized workforces is going to say, hey, nobody's allowed to work in this way. I think that there's a lot of debate to be had here. And having those workers' voices that are working in this way is really important in this, in this debate. But that's my biggest worry is, you know, that something like that could potentially shut down this way of work for, you know, millions of Americans that are doing it right now. So what next for you guys? What's the next big thing? I think the next big thing is for us is just really focusing on growth. I mean, within the last year, we've gone to 35 different markets now in North America and being able to grow out those markets in a bigger way, being able to look at how do we make this the best possible working environment for the workers and the best possible way to access talent from the businesses in the best way to grow, which is, listen, our company still only has you know, five full-time employees that are based between New York and Toronto. And we've been able to fill shifts in over 35 different markets. It's been pretty wild to watch the way that you could grow without having to add to your FTE count as well. And yeah, we'd love to see Hire be a household name the way that, you know, we see all these other huge tech companies as well. Sounds great. Great to see you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank and if you. anybody's looking for gig workers, there they are. <laughs> Thank you so much great for having thing. me. Bye-bye.